Hello and welcome to Cinema Buns. I'm Ritter. I'm Mike. Et je suis Kevin. <laughs> uh, bienvenue. Uh, ne, nous parlons avec Viviane Winthrop. <laughs> is, is that? I haven't spoken French in like a decade. Is that okay? That was wonderful. Uh, you piss ass. <laughs> you? What the fuck? That, he was hay on that for a while. He's been studying by himself specifically so that way. No, 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 no Makes no, us no. look like pieces of shit. I, no, I've always, I've always spoken 15 languages. Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> I hate you. Um, today, we've got a various uh, special assortment of guests. Uh, we are here with uh, the production staff of Last of the Winthropes. So uh, if you don't mind, let's get a small introduction of everyone who's here and kind of just describe what you did for the production. That's great. Oh, thank you so much for hosting us. And this is such an honor to be here. <laughs> Trust me, the honor's ours. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the other way. Well, our film is called The Last of the Winthrops, and it's really essentially my story. And we're surrounded here with our our crew that has just made all this possible. And um, so I'm going to, so I'm Vivian Winthrop. And I will um, pass oh, you. The Vivian Winthrop. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Vivian Winthrop. <laughs> Technically, the last <laughs> of this branch <laughs> of the Winthrops. Um, so we'll just start with everybody the the seating arrangement here. So I'm going to pass you over to our editor, who has done uh, miraculous things to make this happen. Many late nights, and so this is Sergio Miranda. Uh, yeah. So Sergio Miranda, and it was editor and. Got to do a lot of the post-production side of it as well. Um, and yeah, that was a lot of learning experience with Vivian. It was a fun film to like work on. Don't worry, we'll yeah, have questions lots, later. There's lots of people to go through here. <laughs> yes, I'm Andre Metcalf. Uh, One of the stars of the film. <laughs> but also the cook at home. And, <laughs> and did lots of the cleaning, so oh, that was okay. my crew. Hi, uh, Shai Rozov. I'm the composer. I wrote the score for the film. Excellent. Fantastic. Sounded fantastic as well. <laughs> Adam Singer, I'm the uh, producer, I guess co-director and uh, partial writer. Hello, my name is Eduardo Rivas Cervelo and I'm a cinematographer of The Last of the Winthrops. I'm Ash Sutton and I'm the production sound mixer. Hi there, my name is Giancarlo Escriseria and I'm part of The Last of the Winthrops. Five seconds of it. And <laughs> also, I helped uh, to be, uh, let's just say, the angel for this beautiful cast that we have here. And Excellent. for the Vivian Winthrop. Fantastic to meet all of you. I'm Denise Herbst. I'm Vivian's cousin and supporter. <laughs> Big time. I'm proud of you, Vivi. I'm Dee Metcalf, Vivian's other mom. And I offer encouragement every time I talk to her. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's great to meet all of you. And I, I guess let's start getting into the bones of this. Um, What's this movie about? Uh, <laughs> it's about a lot of things. <laughs> but um, yeah, let 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 me ask uh, let me ask uh, you two since you both like help direct and write it. What's this movie about? And what 
made you decide to open up your life like this? Well, that's really a Vivian question since, you know, this is about Vivian. Yeah. Tossing in them under the bus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't worry, we have questions for everyone else. Okay, great. Um, so now that I can take a deep breath. <laughs> this is, um, you know, the story was a real surprise in my life. At age 49, I found out um, through, I don't even have the words for it, but it was amazing to find out that I have an alternative family that I didn't even know about. And turns out they're amazing. And I thought this is such an amazing story mm -hmm. <laughs> that I had to make a movie out of it. Originally, I wanted to make a just a book. And Adam said, no, you need to make a movie. And I listened to him and he was right. So, so Adam, uh, making this into a movie as opposed to a book, did you think that, what, what spurred that decision for you? Did you think maybe it was a better medium for the story or? Well, I think Vivian just really wanted to, um, I think she, I think I, anytime you go through some kind of like crazy, powerful, like revelation in your life, you know, whether it's that, that moment, that near death moment or losing a friend or family member you're always kind of it changes you so I think that um, somehow you need to find an outlet to you know get over it heal and I think Vivian had a great opportunity to um, to make a film that really at the end of the day was going to help her kind of overcome what she was going through and I, I think it kind of served its purpose in that respect to overcome just all the things that she was going through throughout her life and you know the family secret and you know uh and that's really i think that's what that's kind of the in the most simplest way to explain so you know, what, uh, what, what this whole thing is about yeah for so her. what kind of happened first like did she kind of like find the revelation and then you got all of the cameras and crew aboard or was there like something that kind of told you like we need to make this into a film and like start uh, and like hit record before you start going on this like European journey like which kind of like happened first that uh, turned this into like a documentary you wanted to make that I, can, that I can answer you know I had to find a place where I could feel secure and a place where I could understand who I was before really delving into finding out the other parts of me that I never knew about and so starting with my dad's history and really trying to understand what made him who he was so that I can so understand how I became, you know, through his stories and through his mentoring and teaching. And I wanted to thank my dad for raising me. And so it was a really good place to start for me. And also, maybe there'll be a sequel so I can explore <laughs> my new roots. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing and growing in that part of, mm -hmm. of my life. So... And by the way, I want to preface this that I don't want this to come off as rude or anything. But I am curious, what made being a Winthrop something that was so important to you that this kind of shook you? Because I can, I can understand why that would be a big revelation. Because uh, actually, I went through something similar with my family. Uh, you did. Had somewhat similar. Uh, we can go into it after the podcast because I don't know how they feel with this being online. But uh, I had a similar situation and I mean, I, I, I felt like I dealt with it fairly quickly, but I mean, it, it definitely, I can tell from the movie, it was, it affected you a lot. So I, I am curious what, 
what, what made it affect you so much that it, it inspired you to do this? Wow, that's so cool to know that you've been through something similar. And I think that's what happens. I'm amazed at how many people have something similar that happened to them. It, um, it just changes, at least for me, it changed how I saw everything. At first, for like the first three days, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that my whole life and everything I thought was real wasn't. And so I had to see people when I talked to them the floor just dropped out from under me. Everything just, I felt like I was just waking up from a, just a, a dream that I couldn't wrap my head around. So having the chance to heal from it and heal from it in the terms of realizing that I am still who I am. Now I just have more. I have more and that's the real blessing. And also kind of understanding my mom because I didn't think at first, I was just so shocked. I didn't spend any time thinking what she was going through. So that was the next thing. I had to learn that she had, she was going through things too. And she had, you know, she kept the secret her whole life and felt like it weighed her down so much. And, you know, my mom's incredible to let everyone, you know, see her life. And to, to me, she's the redemption story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things that I kind of just like really enjoyed about this film is how much um, consideration you went into like just every branch of your tree. Um, you know, like you had a scene talking to Birdie and like talking to your mom and like there was a whole like question like, should I tell Birdie about uh, your dad? And uh, it was just like every you really like other than like you being the the movie being about you but you also included a lot of your family and i saw a lot of andre in it as well um just like everyone everyone uh in your life um was uh, a huge part of like this story and it was like kind of just like crafted almost like a writer wrote it <laughs> and it just kind of happened <laughs> so oh, i'm sorry no. Oh, I was just yeah. about to say, when it comes to a documentary, like, obviously we know what a writer does for full-length movies. What does a writer do for a documentary? Do you guys kind of frame up certain storylines and stuff? Or how does that work in particular? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, documentaries are really all about, like, your editors, you know, mm -hmm. and... Uh, you <laughs> they control go, everything. <laughs> you can go out there and think you're filming the movie and sometimes, you know... It's not really the movie. The editor yeah. calls you and goes, this is all garbage. We need <laughs> yeah. more. So, you know, and then it's the editor that really kind of puts all the pieces together and figures out how to kind of tell what you've shot, you know, because sometimes you're just shooting and trying to get as much as you can or you think is important to the story. And a lot of that doesn't really sometimes fit into the story. Um, so it's really about the editors and, you know, between Sergio and who's our, was our lead editor on this. And there was another guy, um, Christopher Seward, who was a big part of coming on and helping us structure it differently than we, how we were thinking about it initially, okay. really kind of helped, you know, make it to what it is now. And so I kind of give them the credit, and they're the ones that really can answer those questions probably better, better than I can answer, yeah. answer it. So. <laughs> And actually, I'd really like to add, <laughs> give me that mic. <laughs> I'd really like to add that, you know, if it wasn't for Eduardo and Ash and, of course, Adam and Sergio, but we're on, 
they they came into my home. They met my mom. They, you know, Eduardo. We when I first met Adam, Eduardo came and I met him, and we talked about what the story. And I I couldn't get a lot of the words out of my head and the feelings, and I couldn't express them. And so Eduardo and Ash, who's our sound guy, you know, they they're just like my family now. And and you know, Shy came on board and he composed and and felt my heart. And so. You know, they put words to my to my emotions because I really didn't, you know, and of course, you know, Sergio, he just reads my mind. Um, <laughs> but it's really quite amazing that here's a cast of of people who have come together to to really support me in this journey. It's incredible. And without them, without the long night discussions as we're you know, at home or on the road and really understanding what it means and to see things from like Eduardo's point of view from his, oh my God, what an incredible cinematographer. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I am a dentist. I'm a <laughs> dentist, okay? And so to have people who gave me their time and their uh, wisdom to make this thing. And, and so it's not just my story. It, it's just... It's this collection of people's love and support. And that's, you know, family is who you love and who loves you. And that's, you know, they're my family. And, you know, even if they weren't part of the, 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 the actual movie, they were there looking at the film as the stages progressed. You know, Dee and JC, you know, just, and of course, Andre. And, you know, they're, they're seeing the progression of, of how it's become. So as far as writers, yeah, Adam, you know, really... Uh, was able to, you know, he came up with all the interview questions. He really organized everything. And um, and then we brought on, you know, Christopher Seward, who won the Cannes Film, you know, at the Cannes Film mm -hmm. Festival for um, Fahrenheit 9-11. Uh, we have Shai, our composer, who just elevated my thoughts and emotions into what it is today. So I'd like to pass this over to Shai. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> Surprise. He's so ready for this. So, uh, as a composer, uh, obviously there's a lot of things to take into consideration and whatnot when you're uh, setting this up for movies, but how much of it is affected by the actual content of the movie versus like the genre of the movie? Because there can almost be an argument made that horror movies have similar soundtracks and stuff like that, maybe they, they have variations and whatnot. How, how do you go about doing? Well, interestingly, one of the earliest conversations we had about the score was how to approach it. And when I watched a very early rough cut of it, I didn't want to score it like a typical documentary um, because I felt there was so much emotion there and the story... And especially some of the visuals were so cinematic that oh, yeah, definitely. I, I asked if I could score it more like a narrative feature film mm -hmm. and, and make it more cinematic rather than what I think you would typically expect from a documentary. Where usually in the do a documentary, the music is very much in the background. Um, you don't often get themes. Mm -hmm. You know, It's more about the vibe and the feel. And it serves it extremely well. But here I felt like I wanted to have a theme for Vivian and the Winthrop theme. I wanted to have a motif or a theme 
for the new family and I wanted to bring them together and kind of treat it much like you would if it were a narrative film and Vivian was gracious enough to say yes please (laughs) so I got to kind of go nuts and really explore the score in a way that you don't often get to do on documentaries so that was really uh, fun and a real privilege and a rare opportunity interesting oh wow so uh andre at what point in this uh timeline of events were you brought in and were you fully made aware of everything at the beginning oh okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we were actually um doing some work at home and um Sometimes we kind of deviate instead of doing work. So I was telling her uh, we need to start doing our work. And uh, she kind of said, just kind of flippantly, uh, someone called me up and said that uh, they're my sister. <laughs> Texted her. <laughs> Sound like you got a new way of getting out of work. Come on, we have work to do. <laughs> we don't have time to play. And she was insistent. She said, no, no, someone texted me. She looked serious. So the next day she kind of followed up on it. Next day she followed up on it. And she kept saying it. And I'm just thinking, well, as long as I've known her, she's been Winthrop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I knew her parents and everybody else. So she was just off on a tangent. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just like, okay, we need we need to. Okay, no, wait, this is starting to become real. What's happening? <laughs> and it wasn't until a camera crew showed up at your house. You're like, oh, is this still Vivian's I still didn't thing? believe it. I yeah. <laughs> this is a bit. This hey, is a bit. Hey, Andre, <laughs> so the camera really crew's here. <laughs> the what? <laughs> and it's still kind of hard to kind of believe. Uh-huh. Because it's like, you know, you listen to the parents. Parents say a certain thing. That's it, you know. But yeah. seeing her new family and seeing how much she acts like <laughs> her sisters. <laughs> <laughs> They talk alike, they walk alike. <laughs> yeah. So, so you kind of acted like as a support for her throughout well, this Well, it actually, to me, that. was she's always wanted to have siblings. Right. And mm-hmm. she's always, oh, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. She needed somebody who was female to go shopping with her and do the women's <laughs> stuff. I couldn't do it anymore. So I was, I was very happy that she finally had somebody to talk to. You're right. sitting in the back like, thank Christ. <laughs> um, so... Uh, what about you? You've been awfully quiet back there. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so through this entire time, like uh, when you when you first found out to uh, when you started doing the filming and everything like that, like how long was that process to like get like to the movie? Let's see. Mar- so I contacted Adam in end of January, I think, of 2019. And said, you know, I really okay. Well, there's actually a backstory. Do we have time to? Do you want me to tell you the backstory? We have yeah, plenty we of got time, these. so no, okay. no rush. <laughs> so my new family, um, my third cousin on my. So I have a dad. My dad is who raised me, and, and Papa mm-hmm. is my biological father. Mm-hmm. So on my on my Papa's side, my third cousin, his, his name is Laurent. And so I, I really hung on to him so tightly, and he was probably thinking I'm just absolutely crazy, and really like who is this nut but he was the the you know he was the one thing i recognized because my dad was an actor he was a shakespearean actor mm-hmm. and and laurent he's a cinematographer mm-hmm. and so i thought okay and he's on the press side so i'll just i will talk to him and i texted him and like okay um 
so I had this one-sided conversation with Laurent for a few months. <laughs> and then finally, finally, I, I, I thought, you know, I have to do something. This story is just so incredible. And there's so many synchronicities that I didn't even have a chance to, to put into the film. So many beautiful things that have happened. So um, I, I texted Laurent, this time he responded back. <laughs> and he said, because I asked him, who do, who do you know that could help me with the screenplay? And he said, my cousin, my cousin Adam. And Adam, so I said, well, is this, is this my cousin too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How far does point, this tree go? At <laughs> that point, the branches start getting a little right, intertwined. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so uh, he said, no, no, this is, this is um, Adam is my cousin on my mother's side. So I was like, okay, so he's, he's, he's still family. I, I can manage this. So Adam and I started talking. And then March 2019, I sold my house and I said, okay, I guess uh, we'll use the money from the sale of the house. And let's go. Let's do it. That's bold. Okay. And you moved to wonderful Sedona, Arizona. <laughs> I did. I did. And, you know, it was a chance to get close to mom um, and a yeah. chance to, you know, really just make new memories, new good memories. Yeah. Right. So here's a question for our uh, camera people. Um, when it comes to uh, framing up shots and getting uh, B-roll actual like actor video and stuff like that, are you just running camera 24-7? Or at what point do you decide, oh, I need to turn the camera on or, oh, this is a great like scene to start grabbing? What what drives that decision for you? Well, I'm going to add something to the question you asked a time ago about the script. I think when you arrive on set on a documentary, you already have a purpose. Mm -hmm. You already knew the whole story. So you 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 are partially the the kid in this in, in, in the in the in the saloon. I will mm -hmm. say. So you need to find the clues and all that. So I guess having the camera with me and always being that close to them, it was always uh, discovering. Mm -hmm. So I think the story as a documentary is unfolding itself. I truly believe when I saw the, the, the final product after we after he edited, he edited it, I think it's a lot of moments that they have a lot of uh, um, true behind it. So mm -hmm. that means we always was ready to get some new shots. Oh, okay. So, I don't know, it's always conversation, so we always be together. So we'll, we always uh, have the camera ready to shoot. Yeah, so, I, I mean, with that, you're always ready. I, I can't imagine what it would be like if all of a sudden a moment starts happening, you're like, oh, this would be perfect. And you're trying to get the camera <laughs> That's going. Exactly. Yeah. So the, fact, the fact that we know the story, mm -hmm. so we always was ready you're to, like, to get this the movie. conversation's the movie, probably going to be important. The yeah. movie was made from the first day that we, when we talk about this story. So mm -hmm. everything started with Tom Vicky um, journals, which was a person who pretty much described the horrors of the war, World War II. So they share a little bit of that uh, book, right? Mm -hmm. So right. when I started reading that, uh, the, my, the, my, my imagination started like, uh, working. Then I had a conversation with Vivian, and then I started talking to, to Adam, my very good friend Ash, who came aboard after. We started talking about what's going on here, and then we was guessing. So I guess all the curiosity, that story unfolded in our minds mm -hmm. that would help us to tell it. And also, it's very important to add this film is it's very singular because it's a road movie as well, mm -hmm. you know? So we were driving in Europe, 
discovering new stuff. Yeah. So the fact <laughs> that it's a road movie, you know, you guys, uh, road movie is always to see the transformation of the characters mm-hmm. through the through through the journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what we discover on the way when we was driving in France, Switzerland, and all that. So I guess Adam did an incredible job uh, writing a script. This is an unusual script because, of course, it's not like fiction. Yeah. But all the question was always very on the point. So yeah. I guess uh, we have a lot of footage that we can make this film even longer. <laughs> yeah, right. The director's very interesting cut. Story. <laughs> extended and edition. And it's appealing to yeah. a lot of people, too. You know? Mm-hmm. And also imply that science grows that fast mm-hmm. because it's a little bit of science in the... In the the film so uh, i know when it comes to filmmaking it is very rare if a movie is actually filmed in order of how it happens in the movie so obviously you had the script ready before you started shooting how much of this winthrop genealogy that you kind of branch out towards and get in order of like narrative wise before you started traveling was it actually shot in order because there's a lot of people in the public that are under this misrepresentation that documentaries are shot in order when that's not always true so like did you basically have to leapfrog back and forth between multiple countries in europe before you got everything you needed there like how how did that play out i want to start with with, uh, my my answer and then i'm going to pass it to him because (laughs) i think in cinema nothing is in order pretty much unless it's a very strict like it's part of the script to to shoot it in order for any purpose this is not the case actually Mm -hmm. we definitely need to work with people in their times Mm -hmm. like like uh for instance when we went to um what's the name of uh utah uh ancestry Mm -hmm. so we need to get an appointment and all that so that means it wasn't in order (laughs) and then claire and of course, uh, interviews was not uh, in order. No. Yeah, montage did uh, an incredible job making magic for sure. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like uh, I think a lot of the uh, you had to like basically gather three pro genealogists from ancestry and then record everything that you could, I guess, with them, and then take those bits and bops and put them in like the proper spot in the film. Um, and I'm guessing there isn't a camera crew that was always following your mom and always yeah. following you because there were like you know phone call scenes that you guys would have with each other and like you know someone would think like oh there's just a camera person that's constantly looking at your mom while she <laughs> stares out into the sunset at all times um so yeah no i, I think like it's a testament to like kind of just like the film editing to um et- taking whatever it is that you have and turning it into like this crafted story yeah, no, it's true. There's enormous challenges when you're making a documentary because, like Eduardo was saying, like Eduardo was saying, um, there's never like a moment. There's it, every moment matters, you know, when you are on set. So you have to. Um, it's hard to be. Um, you always have to be ready, you know. And I think with this particular film and story is that. You know, there were things that were happening in real time and there were things that weren't happening in real time. Um, the things that were happening in real time you had to get. And then there was the clock was ticking because we were dealing with Vivian's mother. You know, her health wasn't was deteriorating. And, mm. and so when you're doing a film so hy- hypersensitive like this one was about, you know, her mother that was withholding this family secret from her for pretty much her lifetime getting her on camera to talk about it 
was extremely difficult. So you kind of have to figure out because that's the core of the story is why would someone withhold a secret from their daughter for so long? You know what right. I mean? I like mean, the few scenes we got with the mom, it's pretty, I, I was yeah. surprised at some of the information you got out of her at all. Because, yeah. like, the the scenes when you would ask the question, she'd be like, yeah, cut, 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 cut yeah. we're done. Yeah. We're stopping. <laughs> yeah, that was very interesting. And, uh, I mean, saying you have to be ready all the time, all the jet lag and stuff, respectfully, how sleep deprived were all of you? That sounds exhausting. <laughs> that does sound real exhausting. <laughs> it, it was insane. It really, it was so intense. And I think what was so hard is that when Ash asked me when I said, hey, would you, are you available for these dates to come on and shoot this film? And we're going to Europe and taking this trip. Of course, it sounded so amazing that we're going <laughs> to travel throughout Europe in a Safe car Europe together. Trip. You know what I mean? We, no one knew what we were getting ourselves into. Always sounds good on paper. And that was what the craziest part. Like, we didn't all know each other super well. Ash and Eduardo were, were pretty friendly with each other from work. And, um, and it just, you know, sometimes, like, God sets people up in situations for a reason. And this worked out kind of the way it was supposed to. But, um, yeah, what was I, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? <laughs> wait, wait, what was what God? Was God set a plan. No, 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 no. But what was the what was the question again? Oh, my question was: Is that like being ready for everything? The jet lag and everything. How was oh, the jet lag? The jet lag. Okay, so what yeah. was this? Is the craziest part of the trip? Is that we had, I think, roughly, I don't know, I don't know what it was, ten shooting days, or like maybe twelve or fourteen shooting days, mm -hmm. to to get what we needed to get with just the three of us. So you had Jesus. You had Eduardo. Um, Literally, literally operating a drone, two, two cam, cameras. yeah, two, two cam, cameras. two cameras, and then you had Ash that was doing sound. I was lugging cameras when he was tired. I was, you know, we were all doing everything. You know, Ash was driving throughout Europe, uh -huh. um, so there was just a lot going on than just what was happening. You know, with our particular roles on the set. So um, Eduardo, Eduardo, for some odd, some crazy reason, was able to pull off what he, what he did, which was shooting a film, downloading footage after a long, like, 14-hour day, and then getting up, you know, maybe an hour or two hours later and <laughs> doing it all over again for literally almost 14 days straight. So, what's that? Yeah. With a good attitude. With a good attitude. <laughs> yeah. No, so, said do you have a caffeine days. IV drip up yeah. back of the yeah, room? Yeah, so he was... Like, get that right. in me. I got editing to do. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so it was just really there was just a lot of work and to, to be able to like be alert the next day and and do it all, all over again and again and be consistent at it and good at it um, with little sleep uh, is amazing and I think that's where the passion comes through when you're love what you do you know the at that the love kind of carries you through to the end of the of you know your job and well wow. and, and that's kind of like what happened I think there was just everyone just cared a lot about getting the story regardless of what what we were filming you know sometimes we didn't even know what we were doing mm -hmm. right. um but that was the beauty of, the, of of making a film is that sometimes you're so lost in the story you don't know what you're doing anymore <laughs> and uh somehow some way you you're, you're able to pull it off because if i told you after taking this you know trip to europe and coming back and having conversations with eduardo and the editor and trying to figure out what the story was it's like we, 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 for some reason, we couldn't figure it out for a while. And um, we, we generally knew sort of the story, but anyway, it was, um, anyway, we figured it out. But it, uh, sometimes you think 
um, the making of the movie was the story. Whether you know, what I mean, there was there was so many pieces to this story that I think could have worked, but we ended up getting you know what I think Vivian wanted at the end of the yeah. day, and it mm-hmm. we're all worked out in the end. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling here. <laughs> no, you're good. We got uh, Mike. Mike got a question. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is. Oh, oh, can I just it, no, add please. something? Uh, the whole idea where. I hope one day in the future, or you probably guys saw it on the film, we had an idea at the beginning to use one specific lens that is pretty wide and have a ton of aberrations. And if you see in the whole scenes, when she's walking in pole, the camera is usually behind her because what we want to do is to discover the whole land with her. So everything Mm -hmm. will be discovered through her and all the palaces and the chateaus was pretty much kind of with the aberration in the wide angle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was something uh, we was considered. And then I, I think I noticed near the end of the film, you did a lot more shots pointed at her. Yeah. And kind of showing that you're now in this new area with her and you're in this new world that she's discovered. And I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know what? We, was, we have two different lenses, two different type of zooms. One was... a way tighter than the other one the one that it was tighter the the whole idea and the way i did it was um with a with a family perez right the other mm-hmm. the other part of the family we, we pretty much use over 40 and 85 wow and all the winthrop was from 14 to 24 that kind of was the rule that i had interesting and you can tell story. yeah so pretty much I want to see a little bit more of a aberration and see more of the land in France than uh, in Florida. And Florida yeah. is a bit more narrow. The background is a little bit more close to each other. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I, that I experiment. Yeah. And I hope that makes sense to the viewers. Yeah. Because yeah. that was the whole point, to make it that way. Perfect. Uh, this was a question for the, for the uh, editors. Um, uh, since you... Uh, basically got this whole story and everything and working with everyone to kind of get an idea of how to put this together what what got you to actually put this together and try to make everyone happy add on to that because i already know it's going to be a big number how many hours of footage did yeah. you have to come through <laughs> that was uh, i guess it's not how many hours but how many times you have to go through it. <laughs> uh, i guess yeah Fair uh, enough. yeah because i think christopher when he jumped on uh, he's obviously more of a veteran editor and has done a lot more documentary. So it was like really helpful for him to just kind of send me back into the footage and kind of like look through, you know, through all the footage and see it with different perspective. Like, could it fit here? Could it fit there? You know, like similar how you're saying, like the mom looking out, you know, mm-hmm. is there shots like that of Vivian? And so, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of footage. I, I can't really, like they're saying, I think it's probably, Altogether, I think it was like 26 days of production, like of interviews, them in Europe and all that stuff. Um, but I think part of it is just like, yeah, you're lost in the sea of footage at first. And then once you get your rough cut, you think you're like in a good place. And then you get, you know, critics and your producers and other people mm-hmm. to be like, let's do it different ways. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably one of the things learning from this was just like as an editor, that's really what you just have to do is cut it a million ways right. and see from those million ways what pieces work best together and what's the best of the best. Because uh, I think sometimes like in a documentary, you might not get the best shot, but mm-hmm. like your sequence has the best shot and your button shot needs to be something that has a payoff to that. Yeah. And so, 
yeah, you just have to like dig, dig into the footage and try to find it or rearranging those shots. Um, but yeah, just going through it, I think it's just part of it. Uh, Shy was actually really helpful as well. Cause once we got him to score, it was just like, <laughs> Hey, do you want to like maybe end the cut here? Or do you want to cut here a little bit later? Cause with my music, it's going to feel this emotion. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's like really what was helpful was we got it to a certain point, like with the rough cut. Mm-hmm. And then once we got shy, a graphics team and like a supervising editor, it just like brought it up like another level. Uh, Added I th- polish. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think more than just polish, I think you're just in the footage and you're only seeing it one way. And you're like, I think this is the way it has to be. Right. And you get an outsider perspective to say like, well, what if we did it this way? I like this, but this could be better. And so part of, yeah, part of that process of going through so much footage, I know it's like the least fun part of it, right. <laughs> um, but it's definitely a necess- like a necessary, like a necessary thing to do to get to the, like this final product. Absolutely. Like I was always curious, like how long did it take? Like how long were you working on it with uh, the, your, the supervisor editor and then? Uh, shy and everybody um i mean there's a probably good stretch that we had like a two months of like like us with the rough cut mm-hmm. and then with chris we probably had like another like month and a half where he and i was working a second job and he was working two other documentaries <laughs> so and vivian's a dentist so she does her job and everybody else was doing their job <laughs> shy was like scoring like three other films too so we were yeah we we're all trying to get it to the point that like you know this has potential i think that's something we saw from the beginning because from the get-go i think vivian didn't see that like this is going to end at a festival she's mm-hmm. just how adam was saying this was like something to help her kind of deal with the issue that she was dealing with and i think once we got it to a certain point and people were liking it and adam brought in uh doug blush who's done like over 100 documentaries and he you know when somebody like that says like yeah there's something here kind of like lights another fire right yeah. Yeah. i was like oh i need to go through this again yeah <laughs> kind of like you find motivation that you thought you didn't have in there. Yeah. <laughs> and i mean like like we were talking before we started the podcast like i mean we at least us we think everyone behind the camera is just as important as the people on the camera because i mean you can film actors doing a bunch of cool shit that doesn't mean anything if it's not edited correctly or the sound mixing is off because you right. might not even be able to hear them over music or whatever's in the background. So mm-hmm. it's really in- that that's why we really like getting these behind the scenes perspectives because legitimately the general public does not understand how films are made yeah. or how gr- grueling it can be depending on the production and whatnot. And um, because they don't understand, they tend to take a certain stance in regards to criticisms and whatnot. So I am curious, I don't know how many other festivals you've gone to with this, if this is your first one, or if you've shown other people, how do you respond to criticisms of this movie? Because it's not like a normal film where they're made up characters, it's a made up plot, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, that's fair. These are real people, and these are real events that are taking place, so how 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 do you respond to these criticisms, and what do you take from them in regards to being what... It, you're now considered a filmmaker. Well, one of the things that I've learned is, especially towards the end, I really feel like I've become a filmmaker. I mean, at, <laughs> between um, you know Sergio and 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 all of our crew, 
you know, looking at the film over and over and over and over again, and then feeling the emotions with my mom and, you know, just that was actually really intense seeing, you know, being in that same spot and kind of processing it. That was one thing. The other thing I learned as a filmmaker is that, you know, camera, of course, is very important. But if you don't have sound, if you don't have <laughs> something you can hear really well and crisp and clean, you know, all of a sudden your your production value takes a dive. And we didn't have that. We had we had incredible production value with Ash. And so the criticisms have actually been amazing because our biggest um you know, people have said they really appreciate the story. They also appreciate the production value. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I, I, I'll come back and, and say a little bit more, but I want to say how important sound is to, um, preach into the choir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, when we first started this podcast, we were using, uh, USB microphones, which if you're a sound guy, they're not that great. So <laughs> it was a struggle to make them sound halfway decent. And then as soon as we get some decent equipment, whoa, all of a sudden it sounds semi-professional. Oh, whoa. no. Now I have to pay attention to how my lips are smacking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, all of a sudden just, it's like, really hitting my wires. Uh, drinking water and you hear the in the mic and, it's, <laughs> and I'm editing it. And I'm like, oh, God, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we... I think even as far as footage goes, I, I rolled sound more than than the camera even rolled. So I'm sure for Sergio and the editing process, that was even uh, an intense process with not having footage to go along with things even. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I think we did the best we could to get the best sound we can. And, and that's an interesting process with documentary because we kind of all just dance together. You know, we're in cars, we're traveling, we're doing things, and sometimes you're like, oh, that guy's, we've got to hear that guy right now, and you're diving for it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, what was your process for uh, do, doing your part for obviously the sound and everything like that? Like, uh, what, what was your plan going in to capture uh, the feel of whatever you were going for? Was it like, we need 10 lav mics and yeah. we're good, or like boom work mixed in, it's... I, I can't imagine with a lot of the tight spaces you were working with, too, yeah. how that would work. Yeah, I mean, it was just get in, try and keep everybody as natural as possible, try not to interrupt, and get a, you know, if we can get a mic on them, get it as quickly <laughs> as possible. And if there's no plan for that, figure out what we're going to do to <laughs> get it. Do you ever that. have, like, those moments <laughs> where, like, ah, that sounded weird. Can we have them say that again? <laughs> <laughs> we, I don't think we did much of that. No. <laughs> there maybe was something where we were like, man, we really could do that. But no, it was. Okay. You didn't do much like be. directing of no, uh, anything. Yeah. Okay. No run and gun moments. And, and of, you know, oh, God, we want that. Someone take out their phone and record it. I don't care. We'll deal with it later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it gets funny because even, you know, meeting up with Vivian in the morning, she's just like, hey, all right, I'm ready to put the mic on. And you know what I mean? It's just like you get to this process of this is how we're doing the day. And she knows if I come over and look at her a certain way, like something happened with her mic. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. so, but it's, it's a, it's a lot of fun and it is, a t it's definitely a dance between us. So. so I know documentaries fall into an interesting category when it comes to filmmaking. How many like, uh, labor unions and guilds did you have to deal with if at all with this? Cause I know with normal filmmaking, like the director, is not allowed to touch the camera unless they are also cinematographers. So like what type of restrictions did you deal with while making a document 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry, we got attacked. I got it. I got it. Uh, what, um, what type of restrictions and rules did you have to follow while making a documentary as opposed to a normal film? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, but I think mainly in like the documentary world, you're dealing with like a non-union yeah. set for the most part, although there could potentially be union you know, sound people or camera people or directors. or. But for the most part, from at least my understanding, is that it's a non-union set. You know, and um, in my case, I'm not, I'm non-union, I'm not a, I'm not in the producer guild, uh, Vivian's not either, so you, no one's from no, SAG so there's no, anything, there's no issue so. as far as um, dealing with any kind of union or having someone come on our set. I think it's, it more applies to like, you know, films that are more on the scripted side. Okay. Fiction. To me, it kind of sounds like this uh, cast and crew was brought together as like kind of just like a group of friends and people who were connected um, that just kind of came together rather than just like a bunch of people that were casted and hired and uh, <laughs> like gone through the normal traditional route of like finding people to work. Well, I can tell you it actually was a little bit of an issue on the music side because I wanted to hire musicians to record them. Uh-huh. And I've I work with a lot of friends in L.A. who are all union musicians. Mm-hmm. And this is a non-union project. And they're all close friends. Um, and some of the musicians I used were non-union and they're credited on the film. And some are union and they just did it what's called dark, meaning yeah. they did it sort of uncredited and as a personal favor to me and i hate that i can't scream at the top of my lungs to everybody the names of the people who played some of this stuff because i i can write it and it's all good and well but until somebody plays it it doesn't come to life Mm -hmm. right and some of the musicians we had on this are like top Hollywood people who play for John Williams and Danny Elfman and like (laughs) these are my friends who you know some of them were just playing on the Oscars a few days ago like these are the people that I get to work with I'm very fortunate and I feel very fortunate that they said yes they're like yeah we'll do it we'll do it quietly also this was all when it was recorded it was at the height of the pandemic Mm-hmm. So we couldn't go into a studio and record. So everybody had to record themselves from home <clears throat> and send me <laughs> everything individually. And then I had to put it all together. Oh, boy. Which is where my experience as a music editor came in handy because I'm used to cutting stuff. <laughs> I can't imagine the clap sync between 80 different but, people. <laughs> well, we didn't have 80. We I, I used a string quartet, but... Okay. Um... A string quartet wants to play together, Mm -hmm. and instead they had to each play individually at home. Interesting. Um, And you get the performances, but you get the interpretations, and sometimes they're not quite together, which if they were playing together, they would be. And then uh, most of the time I was able to cut it and make it work. On occasion, I would have to send something back and say, hey, can you take another crack of this? And this time, let me send you what this other musician did. And I want you to play with that. Interesting. Um, So there's some things that I had to have redone 
Um, so, th yeah, that was interesting. And if any of them hear this, know that we love you and wish we could say your names, but unfortunately we cannot. Right. But they really brought the music to life. Yeah, and it sounded fantastic. Like, you could not tell that, like, it was uh, several instruments uh, individually recorded and then uh, spliced together and synced and edited and produced. Um, but, like, uh, did you have to, like, did they all kind of just, like, keep to themselves with, like, a metronome or something? Because, like, you know, you have a conductor that's trying to keep everyone together. Or did you have, like, just the video footage of you conducting? <laughs> no. <know>. Um, so... <laughs> Most of this was done to click. So uh, you uh -huh. create a click track, which is very typical in film today. Even when you have the whole orchestra together with a conductor, we still, 90% of the time or more, we're using click because sync has to be very, very accurate. Right. On this film, where it got interesting is that there were things that I didn't want on the click because for the feel of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were challenging. And so some of those things, it's like I might have the pianist do his part first and then send that to the string players mm -hmm. so they could hear his performance. Or sometimes uh, it, it was something else. Sometimes I would just mock it up and kind of go try to follow my mock up the best you can. And <laughs> then I'd get it back together and cut it together and make it all work. Um uh, there are a few times where it's a combination of live and synths. And once I got the live performance, I'm like, ah, now I have to change all my synths and recut this or redo this to go with the live performance. It's like those moments where you're like, oh, that sounds great. Shit, I got to redo everything else. Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for me, it's never shit. I got to do every redo everything else. It's like, oh, my God, this is going to be so much better now. That's cool. <laughs> so to, to me, it's exciting. And it, 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 there are things I got back where I was like, whoa, OK, this is better than I had hoped, um, especially with all the remote stuff that mm -hmm. was a little bit scary to do. And it's like, how do you get all this intimate stuff when it's all remote? And also, normally when I'm recording, I'm in the studio with the musician and they'll play something. I'll go, yeah, a little louder here, a little softer here, a little tighter here, a little looser here, a little delay. more this, a little less that, whatever. Here it's like, hey, guys, good luck. <laughs> and then you get it back and you just pray that it's going to be good and yeah. what you intended. Um, so there was a lot of conversations before they recorded to try to describe what I wanted. There were things where i had to send it back and ask them to redo it and i'd literally get on the phone and like you remember the part where you went here and you went dun, 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 dun. i need it to be more tita, bada, tita. And they're like, oh okay cool and you just get them to redo it so okay. it's a little tedious but we got it done so let's say everything goes exactly how you guys want Last of the Winthropes does exactly what you want. Everything at the film festival or festivals you're going to goes how you want. What is that? What do you want to come out of showing this movie at the festivals and whatnot? Wow, what a great question. What I would love to have as a result of the film festival and the movie coming out and, you know, the world seeing our, our story is a chance to have families call each other 
you know, make that bridge and mm-hmm. say, let me start somewhere. Let me talk to you. You know, maybe we didn't get along really well because there's, you know, I don't understand what's happening, but let me, let me reach out to you and let me be patient and let me be loving and let me give this an, an opportunity. So I hope our film bridges hearts. Mm-hmm. It's really my goal. Did you had something you wanted to say? Yes. 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna say. Well, to me, actually, cinema is a is a language, and, and the the fact that we can communicate and mm-hmm. open mm-hmm. that window to the people, that's it. That's the reward. Mm-hmm. But I want to share with you guys one experience on the film you might remember with one of the most important characters, which is not here, um, unfortunately, with us today, is Claire. Mm-hmm. And is one of the most important things. I just want to share it because that's the thing when you're shooting documentaries, you need to bet for the best option. She didn't want to talk at the moment. And I remember Adam was asking me where should we start this conversation with Claire? You remember that part? And we decided in something, in some background that is not the best, which was just a glass. In, mm-hmm. a, in a in a curtain, a white curtain. I I said, well, it's not the best, but she's sitting on her piano. She feels so confident, and mm-hmm. the whole thing yeah. unfolds in the best way as possible. I just want to share that with you guys because always, when I watch the film, I'm always seeing like it's too close to the wall. Actually, I didn't like in the plastic way, in the way of mm-hmm. uh, the picture. But who cares? She's next to her piano. That's <laughs> yeah. that's her tool. That's what right. it gives her the power. And at the end. I don't remember if it's in the last cut when she ended playing the piano because that was our objective overall to see her engaging with her instrument. But I just want to share that experience with you guys. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. So in my research into all the background stuff, uh, I see you guys started a, uh, a LLC, maybe production company, uh, We Unite as One. So... What is the future of I, I? It sounded like you were hinting at it a little bit earlier, but is because I know some films they start an LLC for this one movie and then they end it there and then they make another one mm-hmm. for whatever. Is this turning into a full company that's going to be producing documentaries and films? Is this more of like we did it because for safety reasons and whatnot? This company, We Unite as One. JC and I sat, mom was in the kitchen, JC and I sat and we decided, you know, what can we name this company? And I wanted a company that was really the whole thing as to how do we talk to each other? How do we connect with one another? How can we make this world just a little bit better? And so one night we're just laughing and we came up with the name, We Unite as One, and it was available on GoDaddy. (laughs) And it was always a company that I hold really near and dear to my heart. But I never knew exactly what it was going to do. I knew I was going to you know, write my books and, and, and do it that way. And I thought I was going to connect the world mm-hmm. in that respect. Never did I ever think that it would be because we made a film. And now I am dedicated to being a filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> I want uh, We Unite as One to grow. And you know, I want to also talk about what Eduardo said about my mom. You know, We lost my mom, so I'm going to cry. But we lost my mom. She she passed away in July of 2021. Oh. And I just want to say how much courage she had to um, to really put herself out there. And if somebody 
who watches our film can get the courage that she exhibited and they can talk to their family and let go of things that are burdening their hearts and be, you know, just to take the courage to do it, you know, that would mean the world to me. Nice. And one of the things that also was a gift is that my grandmother, uh, my mom's mom, she wrote a, a piece of music. My grandmother used to play by ear. My mom's a classically trained pianist, and so mm. she never makes any inventions of any kind. And at the end of the movie, when Eduardo was filming, my mom, that's her composition. And never have I grown up with my mom ever making any composition of any kind. And my mom was saying, no, you can't put that in the film. But I said, mom, this is movie magic. <laughs> it was yeah. something that just, you know, came out from her soul for her to just play that. And so it, it really meant everything to me. And Shai used my grandmother's music, the composition she made to represent my mom. And um, I don't know if you want to say a little bit more about that, but that there's been so many of these gifts. And so We Unite as One, I want it to move forward. So it is a full-fledged uh, company, and we are, we make films. That's great. That's fantastic. You guys, uh, you guys have any other questions or yeah, anything? Yeah, um, I actually wanted to ask uh, Vivian's family, like, what was your experience in this whole journey with Vivian? I did see the film, it was in September for the first time. And up to then, you know, I wasn't sure what was going on. And I was so awestruck that Vivi put this together. I, I don't know the words. And yeah. I was so excited, and I'm so excited for her. Thank you. You opened my eyes up on, on a lot of things. Well, I, for some reason I'm speechless now. <laughs> I'm fascinated being in this group and listening to all of you and learning so much today. I can't wait to go back and share this information. I'm taking notes, you know, on metronome <laughs> and, and the click. Um, I'm just, um, I feel very special today. And, and following this film, I've watched it many times. And the last time I told Andre to tell Vivian that she's so close to it, she can't see the beauty. But as, a, as an audience uh, member, you see it differently. Yeah, yeah. And I love films, and I, I just knew that it's just going to be a hit. And I'm very proud of Vivian. So proud. Uh, being outside, I can say that I am one of the things about being seeing the movie, partials of the movie. Uh, being being with Momsy um, and coming with the word Momsy is because I personally feel that I was adopted in his family and honored about it so and seeing Vivi, Andre, the crew coming along and just showing up the biggest world of the possibilities it's just amazing and yes as you've probably seen in the movies Momsy just being like you know like her own ways going upstairs and things like that you know you see her love deep mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's what she gave me 
and she gave me also her love of being the what I always say to everybody the acceptance and that's what um, I love about the movie but more likely being part of the family and I thank you for Vivi and Andre and everybody here and Tidri <laughs> but I'm just uh, it's, it's an honor yeah. I was just gonna say as far as like you know the from the when I was getting the call from Adam and just talking about what the movie represents and um, it definitely for me was unfolding and I was hearing the story and what was happening and, and uh, it, watching it move along um, what I kept feeling was that it was like fear and like overcoming fear and what does you know I think fear can just hold us back so much in life and um you know, just being, I, it, it is just grateful being a part of this process and how we even come to this moment where we're all sitting together. You just go, wow, what a letting go of fear and overcoming fear and, and, and noticing what we can accomplish together because it's just really incredible. Um, I don't know. That's it. <laughs> well, thank oh. you. Yeah. One thing that the film has done for me, want, I want to get closer and really get to know my family and it opened my eyes how important that is even though I'm very close to them it's not close enough well you know what it's been an absolute honor for us to be able to talk with you about this film and be able to get some better information on how everything played out and no, what went into making it great inside knowledge and allowing us to pick your brains about like what you guys uh your thought process on how to put this movie together and everything like that yeah yeah it's, it's been a privilege with uh, that um well, well just one thing like uh what's the uh what happens after the phoenix film festival um so where, where can the audience like watch last of the winthrop's next well so now we're going out and you know we submitted the films the film to like i don't know 25 30 festivals that uh -huh. we believe that are right for the for the film and and so the next festival is sunscreen so so i think the next steps really are trying to sell the film right, right. You, to you use a, a festival to kind of platform use it, use it as a platform to sell it and get exposure and you know promoting it and all those kinds of things and building the value of the film so people know it exists and and you know hopefully you know, people see it and enjoy it and it resonates with them, especially, you know, industry right, yeah. folks. And, yeah, so, I mean, we're going around and getting into festivals and and then after that's distribution. So, Is there well, anything in the pipeline for distribution or is that... So, yeah, Ooh, we just okay. honestly start exploring Ooh, all fun. those distribution routes and, and we'll see kind of how it all, all unfolds now. Well, okay. we'd like to say good luck to you guys. Uh, it's we'd been like, a privilege. Yeah, we'd like to thank everyone who tuned in. Uh, as usual, you can find us every Wednesday on every podcast platform. Find us at Twitter at Bun Cinema, at Bun Cinema, and uh, I'm Ritter. I'm Mike. Oh yeah, I'm Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying we'll that see in you next time. Yeah, thank you very much. Watch with us for cinema bar.